Welcome back to another episode of Starving Artists. My name is LJ Jones, and I am so excited for today's episode because today I bring in a real-life friend of mine, like my legit brother. Uh, well, not blood brother, but he's he's my guy. Uh, I would like to welcome to the podcast my guy, Adam Hamill. What's up, man? LJ, how you doing, man? I'm good, brother. How you been? Dude, life life is good, uh, considering everything that we're all dealing with. I, I, yeah. I just is. There's no complaints in my world. It's just not, it's not worth it anyway. So we're just going to roll on. <laughs> that's amazing. And that's something I always have admired about you is uh, the positivity amidst, uh, um, you know, a negative society, I guess, is the way I'll say it, uh, you know, or, or against adversity is a better way of saying it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the only way, for me, it's the only way to get through it sometimes. I mean, you just, yeah. we are bombarded with all this negativity uh, and it's just everywhere. And I, you can choose to absorb yourself in it or be absorbed by it. And I choose to do neither and just listen to it, take what I need, leave the rest and roll on, move forward, keep moving forward. Absolutely. Now I knew, I knew, you know, when I started this, cause right now we're in season two of the podcast. Uh, when I started this, I knew I wanted to get you on. I didn't work out for the for the first season, um, but now you know. Look, my, look, you're famous now. You're all over the news. You got I, I your stuff going. I don't know about famous. <laughs> I might be infamous. <laughs> this is this is perfect. You know, you 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 have always. Uh, I've known you since I was uh, 12 or 13 years old. You've always been, uh, you know, uh, an inspiration to me. So I know you'll be an inspiration to our audience. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. It's humbling. It's very humbling to hear somebody like you who who has worked so hard. I mean, put everything together, filmed your own movie. Uh, you're an idol. To, you're, you're, you're an inspiration to me. So just so you know that if you if I've never I said that to that. you, then I, I, I got to say I'm sorry because you're an inspiration to me. You got a movie out. I mean, you filmed a movie. <laughs> who can, yes, How sir. many people can say that? man? I mean, that's an amazing <laughs> thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you, man. So, so let, let's, I'm going to take it back for us, right? So I yep. met you when I was 12 or 13 uh, at church camp. Yep. Um, so, uh, you know, let's talk about that for a second before we, we get into everything. Um, sure. Now, now I will say for anybody from this church camp watching this, uh, you know, if we let out a bad word or two, forgive us, please. <laughs> but uh, so um, I, I met you at, at church camp uh, in, uh, in the Keys. And I knew, I knew from, from the moment I met you, uh, that, that you were a good person, you know, like I could just like the, the shaking your hand, I knew that you were a great person and I wanted to get to know you more. Like I wanted you to mentor me that, that was right off the bat in my mind. So what do you remember from, from that time period? Oh man, that camp was amazing. Um, was it like 160 kids there? Yeah. It was a yeah. big, big camp. We had brought our youth group down there from the church I was attending at the time. Um, and I, I, I thought it was incredible. And it was all because we I had talked to, if I remember correctly, Rich, uh, the guy that was in charge of all the, the, the arts, the arts and stuff at the, at the uh, Word of Life Bible Institute you were at. And uh, we had talked about this breaking down walls thing that I've done several times and, and you can use it for church you can use it for business you can use it for life you can use it for anything and we ended the camp if you remember with that video which i think which you taped on your phone which i didn't even know you were doing and uh you actually have that on your uh youtube channel if i remember correctly yeah and uh yeah. If, yeah if anyone wants to see that i mean that was a long time ago now but it's uh just type in what is keeping you from god 
And uh, there's that 12 minute clip or so that you put out there. But um, when I, I, what I remembered was you and I sitting in the hallway at two or three in the morning, just talking life. It wasn't so much about the Bible and Christianity. We were just talking life. And I'm listening to a 12, 13 year old kid. And it was like listening to my, my own personal story. And it was, it was so easy. It was so easy, the flow between us. It was so easy for the connection between us. Um, if you want to say father, son kind of thing, because Lord knows I could be your dad, man, I'm 50. So, <laughs> but it was, it was an instant friendship and it was a unique friendship because I had never personally experienced a friendship with somebody so much younger than I was that was so relatable. Um, and, and just the way we clicked and vibed and, and the whole nine and, and we've stayed in touch. We, we've seen each other a few times and we, we talk all the time on the phone and text messages and, you know, helping you do the movie. It's just been an incredible journey knowing you through the ups and the downs and, and being, being able to pick you up when you were down, just like a, a couple of, it was a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about some of the stuff you were struggling with. And, and, and after that phone call, the text messages from you change and you can, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to take, you know, um, credit for it per se, but huh. something about yours and my relationship that happened that day, um, has been an ongoing journey that I have genuinely enjoyed being on through the ups and the downs. Sure. And, and, and I appreciate that, you know, you're, you're somebody, I, I always know that no matter what it is I'm going through, um, now I can call, call you, I can count on you, uh, just to be there, uh, you know, to talk to me, to talk me off the ledge. You, you've done that a, a time or two or three or more. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, you've been, you've been a blessing in my life and, 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 and look, man, I, I know a good amount of people who know you, uh, and they always talk about how you've been a blessing in their lives too. So I just hope you know that, that, you know, how important you are to many people. I appreciate it though. Appreciate it. The feeling is mutual very much. So awesome. So let let's go all the way back. Let's let's talk your background. Let can, like, you know, we 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 did have uh we had a little pre-production talk, right? And, yeah. And and usually, and I told you, I, I I always come into these things with some pretty in-depth uh, uh, outlines and discussion points. We don't really have that here mm-hmm. because you know the our conversation always just flows so freely. Um, but I I want the I want you to uh you know talk to me about your background, where you came from, what are some things that you've gone through. Um, and then that way later we can, we can see what that transition uh, period in your life was. Um, sure. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, the floor is yours. So uh, born in 1970, uh, probably long before anybody who's listening to this was uh, even a thought in somebody's mind, but uh, born <laughs> in 1970 at Misericordia Hospital in the Bronx. Uh, lived in the Bronx with my mom and my dad and my sister until I was six years old. We moved to Yonkers right on the border of the Bronx then. Uh, lived there from the time I was six until I was 19 and a half when we moved to Florida in July of uh, 1990. Um, started doing drugs when I was nine. Um, was actively using drugs by the time I was 12. Um, used them all through high school. Um, got caught up got caught up really, really bad uh, in my senior year of high school. And I mean, I always did what I had to do in school because I knew how important that piece of it was. And it was, it was easy to, it was easy to get away with it from my parents' standpoint because my sister 
who I love dearly and has got her life together, thankfully. Um, mom and dad would tell her, you know, be home at 12 and she'd be coming home at three and she wouldn't be sober. So I just, it clicked in my head, like I could get away with doing this. If I do, if I do good in school and mom and dad say be home at 12 and I'm home at 1130, well, then the radar will be off me. And that's how I did it. And I mean, but, but it, it got bad. Senior high school graduated in 1988 and by springtime of 89 my life was i mean completely out of control um there was a price on my head i stole money from my parents to pay off the debt i ran away from home i lived on the streets in washington square park to survive eating dog biscuits and doing things that you should not do um i never got in trouble with the law i i I give that to the grace of god because lord knows i should have um, I've attempted suicide. Uh, I put the gun to my head. I pulled the trigger. It did not go off. And then I squeezed every single bullet into the wall. So however you want to say it, I'm still here. So apparently he wasn't done with me. Um, July, sorry, backtrack. April of 1990, my parents came to Florida and they said, we, uh, they came to Florida on vacation. They come back from vacation. They said, well, we bought a condo in Florida, in Jensen Beach. And so we're going to sell the butcher business. I grew up cutting meat with my dad in the butcher business. Uh, we're going to sell the business. We're going to sell the house. And when they're gone, we're gone. And so I was just like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not worried about that. I don't want to, you know, that's fine. You guys can go. And so I didn't think it would happen as quick as it did. They got back in April. They put everything on the market in May. And by June, business was gone. House was sold. Wow. Yeah. So again, I said, I'm I'm not coming to Florida. I got nothing in Florida. I want to stay here in New York. My pops pulled me aside. He said, give me six months. He said, if in six months you hate it, I'll write you a check for five grand. I'll pay for your plane ticket and I'll send you back. If you want to go, if you want to go back to New York, you can go back to New York because you have two choices. You can come with us. There will be rules and we'll give you a chance at a new life. You can start to rebuild yourself or you can stay here and die. Take your pick. He tough love the heck out of me. So I, in my head, I was like, I'll go to Florida for six months, hang out at the beach for a little while, get five grand and come back. So June 30th uh, of 1990, massive going away party. Um, got into the moving van at about, I don't know, three or four in the morning. And we proceeded to drive to Florida. July 4th of 1990, we got here three in the morning, four in the morning. Someone that mom and pops were exhausted. Um, I dug out the coffee pot, made coffee. And we're in this penthouse condo, corner unit, top floor, overlooking the river and the ocean in Jensen Beach, Florida. Nothing like I'd ever seen before, unless I was watching Miami Vice, no pun intended. (laughs) Um, So I made coffee and I walked down to the pier that kind of went out over the ocean on the back of the condo. And I watched the sunrise for the very first time over the ocean. And that was the beginning. That was literally the dawn of a new day. And that was 30 something years ago. And it's been a journey of ups and downs, but the tick has just constantly gone up. It's never, it's never wavered to the point where I felt like I was in a pit anymore. Um, it's just been an amazing journey since then. 
but if I didn't leave New York, I, I can honestly say I probably, you and I would have never become friends. Doubt highly I'd still be here. Um, wouldn't trade growing up there for anything. I wouldn't trade growing up there for anything, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad I got out when I did. Uh, still miss, you know, some of the people and, and stuff like that, especially as I've gotten older, but coming to Florida and then going to the Carolinas for about eight years and then coming back to Florida. I wouldn't have the children I have. I wouldn't have the life that I have, you know, every single decision got me to where I am right now and where I am right now, sitting on my back porch in front of the river. Uh, you, I have zero again, like I said earlier, zero in the complaint department. So that was the quick skinny of my 50 year life. <laughs> but um, like you said, that, that, yeah, go ahead. I, we, I suffered abuse. Uh, I was sexually abused. Um, there was uh, emotional and verbal and some physical abuse in my household. Um, you know, it, I think we've all been through it in one way, shape or form or another. We've all been through something that could easily send us down the spiral where you got the gun to the side of your head so quickly. And for whatever the reason that that, that gun didn't go off that day for whatever the reason is. And maybe it's so that you and I could have this conversation today. And maybe it's so somebody who's listening to this goes, you know, I don't have to go down that road. Maybe that's what it's all for. I don't know how God works sometimes. I just kind of run wherever he says run and I'm just going with it. Right. Yeah. So what was, what, what, like when you look back at it now, what were some of the, you know, I know your story. I, I know, you know, you just told everybody. Um, mm -hmm you were in a dark place growing up. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, from, from the man you are today, you're one of the most positive people. I know I said in the beginning of this, like in the midst of um, adversity, you remain to be positive. You don't seem to waver. And I'm sure you have those, those days, of course, but oh, yeah. um, you know, what was that journey? Like, how did you have to reset your mind? Like, what did you, what were those steps that you had to take to go from a negative mindset to as positive a mindset as you can have? Before the trip to Florida, uh, June of 1990, a few weeks prior to that, I'm sorry, a few months prior to that, it was early April. It was before my parents came to Florida to vacation. I can tell you to this day where a three-day crack binge started, and I can tell you where that three-day crack binge ended. Um, but some 30-something years ago, those three days of my life Nobody I have ever known has ever been able to tell me anything about those three days of my life. There's three days of my life that are legitimately gone. I woke up in the back of my car. It was a 1975 Grand Prix. It was peach with a white vinyl top and white vinyl interior, white wall tires. Uh, you know, it was, I thought it was cool, but it wasn't. But anyway, <laughs> I, had a, I had a quarter tank of gas. I had no money. I had burned every bridge of every friendship that I could possibly imagine. And as clear as you and I talking right now, I heard God say, I did not make you for this. I had given up scholarships to, to colleges for football. I had given up so many things for um, drugs and we'll, we'll microcosm it to that. But because of where I was depressed, I, I, I lived two lives. I mean, I learned that I had to learn that, you know, along the way, but I genuinely lived two lives um, and, and probably more than that. I was a miserable inside. 
I was a miserable human being. Nothing. There wasn't amount of money. There was no clothes. There was no girlfriends. There was no sex. There was there was no anything that could provide me any type of long-term happiness or any type of peace and joy. The only thing I did was escape, but mom and dad didn't know. None of my teachers knew. My football coaches didn't know. Guys I played football with on the weekend didn't know. Friends I grew up with didn't know because I didn't bring any of that around my, my life, around my, my world. I kept it a complete secret. So I was one person from my friends and my family and my uh, guys I played football with in my school. And I was w another person who ran the streets like nobody's business. So I, I genuinely lived two lives, but I remember that. I remember the back of the car and I remember God saying, I did not make you for this. And I got out of the car. I bummed a quarter. I got to a payphone. I paged a buddy of mine named John Cassidy. I called him. He called, I paged him. He called me back on the, on the payphone. I said, John, I do not want to die. I don't want to die. He picked up his girlfriend. They came and picked me up and they took me home. And when I tell you going in that house, I genuinely assumed I was going to get my face kicked in. I stole money. Um, I, I hurt my I hurt my family immensely. The old, the story of the prodigal son in the Bible, I assumed I was going to get completely ridiculed and, and how could you do this kind of stuff? And I got a hug and tears and thank God you're alive. See, what I didn't know at that time was that my parents knew where I was. They let me stay out there. I was gone for nine months, almost 10 months. And by the third month, my mom said, okay, I got to know if he's alive or dead. So she found me, but when they wanted to, when my pops was like, all right, well, let's go get him. My mom was like, we can't, we can't. If we take him away from where he is now, he won't learn. He's not going to learn the lessons he needs to learn. He's not going to be able to understand that there is a way out. And if we bail him out, then he'll never learn it and he'll be right back out here sooner or later. So they tough love me. And for me, it worked. But she said, one of the, one of the things my mom said was the hardest thing was waiting for the phone call every day, knowing where I was and what I was doing that Mr. And Mrs. Hamill, unfortunately, we regret to tell you that your son has passed away. He overdosed or this, that, and the other. she said she waited for that phone call all the time. And, you know, thankfully it never happened, but they literally, I had to hit my bottom. I mean, I had to hit rock bottom. And too many people think I hit my bottom. No, I hit bottom. I, when I tell you I had nothing, there was no legitimate, I had nothing to live for. I, zero to live for. I didn't, ha I didn't have kids. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a house. I didn't have a car. I had nothing. They had the car didn't even have rehearse at that point. The training was going. <laughs> I had nothing. And when, when, you're, when you get to that point, for me anyway, when I got to that point where I identified the fact that I had nothing, there was nothing for me to reach for. I had no money to get high. I had no money to buy food. I had nowhere to go. I literally was destitute, alone, period. And that com got the, the conversation with God in the back of my car, when I woke up and Again, three days is gone. I didn't make you for this. And I listened. 
so, and I and I and I ran for help. So that was the beginning of the change. How does it how did it transition from that to where I am now? A ton of positive people that have come along in my life that have mentored me. Um, I listen to Eric Thomas on a regular basis. And when I listen to ET and, and anybody who knows of him, if you've never heard him, it's like listening to myself. And what I'm and not that I have a PhD or his education that he's, you know, battled so hard to get. And we only see the end of this now. We only see the last few years where he's grown so much. It's so easy to see it all. We didn't see the first five or six or seven years of his grind where he was doing everything for nothing just to get himself out there. And I look at somebody like that who was homeless, doing drugs, doing all the things he shouldn't do, just like I was. And he can turn his life around. And then why couldn't I or why can't anybody else? For me, it's always come down to choice. I can either choose to stay out there doing everything I know that's going to destroy me, even though I may want to do it or I can choose not to. And it, for me, it's, it's that black and white. Is it easy to make the choice to do the right thing and move forward? No, not, not even anybody who tells you that it is easy. It's not, it is just not. But I know that as long as I'm trying to do the next right thing, even if I fail and I fall backwards, I have the ability to fall down seven times, get up eight and keep moving forward. I have lived that way since I started this journey of, of not being in the world of drugs and everything else. I, I, I've fallen backwards a hundred times. I just refuse to stay there. I've fallen down a hundred times. I refuse to stay there. I've been hurt emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually a hundred times. I just refuse to stay there because in everything that happens to us, no matter what it may be, there's a lesson to be learned. So when I, when my, when my daughter's mother left, I could have spiraled out of control. I could have gone right back down on those roads again, but I said, okay, well, it's not my daughter's fault that she's in this spot right now. God gave me this little girl. The mother has chose to do something different. So I'm going to take care of my kid. It's not her fault. So for the longest time, I did everything for her. Then I got remarried. I have two sons. They're now 12 and seven. I failed in that marriage. So just in case anyone thinks I'm perfect, I'm not, not even close. I failed in that marriage. There was, there was two sides of it. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, I understand now what I did wrong in that marriage. I had to do all of that stuff in order to be in the marriage I'm in now. And it is my third. And hindsight being 2020, if I was emotionally, spiritually, mentally ready to have what I have now, 30 years ago, I don't have my daughter. I have a different daughter. And maybe I don't have a kid at all. I don't have my two sons. So every single, every single thing is the ripple. You drop a rock in the water, it creates a ripple that travels across the pond. Everything we do creates a ripple in our life. It's up to us to see what the ripple is, what the lesson in the ripple is supposed to be, and then apply it. We learn the, a lot of people learn the lessons. 
but they don't ever apply it. They're bad. Good lessons are easy. Oh, we can apply that simple. You know, we do this, it's good, we can go forward. But the bad ones, when crap goes wrong, when life goes sideways, how to react then? What lesson did you learn then? Or did you learn anything at all? The old definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting the same results. And yet you see it every single day. I was just as guilty of it. I still am guilty of it sometimes. But the journey from a negative attitude to a positive attitude started with that epiphany moment that we all have. We've all had it. You've had it. I've had it. Anybody listening to this has had it. But did they listen and then learn from it? I've said it a hundred times. You get one shot sometimes. That's it. That's all you get. You get one shot. Second chances, third chances, sure. But I got my shot at 19 years old in the back of that car to turn my life around. Could I have done things differently even then to now? Sure. But at the end of the day, I don't have anything to complain about. I got a job. Had a job all the way through this whole COVID nonsense we've all been dealing with. I got a roof over my head. I got three healthy kids. I'm healthy. Wife's healthy. I got a car. Got a new deck in my backyard. I live on the river. What do I complain about? What is there to complain about in my life? Could I, I'd like to make more money. Sure, we all would. For what? Does it, does it solve anything? No. Let, and maybe it helps you pay your bills a little easier. It doesn't make you happy. I learned. You made me, you're, you're making me think of a friend of mine, Bruce. Uh, I worked with him at uh, the hospital I worked at in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had, um, he, has, he had his degree uh, in psychiatry. Right, he, he he had his bachelor's in psychi- or psychology, psychiatry, one of the two, and um, he was working this job that paid minimum wage in the hospital, and uh, very smart dude. And I just I, I remember one day, you know, I, him and I worked uh, side by side uh, every shift, and I remember asking him, I said, why, why are you working this job when you could be making a lot more money, like in your, in your field? And he mm-hmm. said, for what? For what? He said, my bills are paid, you know, I'm healthy. My wife's healthy, food's in the, uh, in the fridge. What do I need more money for? My bills are paid. I'm good. I'm happy. Why stress myself out with, with other stuff when I'm taking care of my family's taking care of. So you, right. you just put me right back into that conversation I had with him. Um, it's true. And, uh, it, I think it it's is. an important thing to, to realize. When, when I was um, in my twenties, I was mm-hmm. chasing the dollar always trying to make more money always trying to make more money I, I i don't do that no more and maybe maybe it's a little bit of wisdom you know come wisdom comes with age maybe that's a little bit of it but maybe it's just because I've, i finally have become very very comfortable in my own skin with all the scars with all the damage i've done with all the collateral damage behind me all the pain and suffering that i've inflicted and has been inflicted on me at the end of the day i'm comfortable in my own skin I look in the mirror and I'm proud of the man that I am. And it's taken a long time to get there. It has taken a long time to get there. But the journey's been so worth it. Too many people, do. this this is me. This is, this is my thoughts. And maybe this is a 50-year-old guy speaking, but man, I'm telling you, this is a true statement. Because everybody I've ever said this to, nobody's ever said, nah. We are, we live here. We live on the phones, right? We can do everything. We bank. We can buy a house. We can travel to Zimbabwe. We do whatever we want on this phone. We have instant gratification here. Because of this, 
and everything that we are so so is is so is so easily attainable via the World Wide Web. Nobody's got to work for nothing no more. So it's why, like my 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 son has a cell phone now, and he only got a cell phone at 12 years old because he rides his bike to school. Otherwise, he would not have a cell phone. He wanted a gaming system. I'm like, save for it. I'm not buying you one. I want a car when I'm my daughter. I want my, I want a car when I'm 16. I said the car is not a privilege. It's a, it's it's not a it's not a right. It's a privilege. You have to earn it, and you have to be able to pay for it. My dad instilled that in me with everything that you know, every, with everything that was negative with my parents growing up. We have a phenomenal relationship now, both of them. They actually live right across the river from me. I can I'm literally I can stare at their house. I'm looking at their house. <clears throat> They instilled a work ethic in me that says, you want something, you go get it. And I never, ever, ever lost sight of that. Even when, even when I was doing things I shouldn't be doing, I never lost sight of the fact that I've got to do work, period. And I instilled that into my daughter. And now my 26-year-old daughter is a technician for Toyota. She's close to being the first female master technician ever. So following in dad's footsteps since I fix cars and run shops. My 12-year-old wants to play football. Kid puts in work like there's nobody business. My seven-year-old is still chasing butterflies. When he finds what out what he wants to do, then I'll, I'll, I'll do it with him. I just believe that if they genuinely say they want it, then they're willing to put in the work for it. The moment they sit back mm-hmm. and they're just expecting it because we're not entitled to jack. The moment they're sitting back and doing absolutely nothing, I don't have the oomph to even give him anything. Like, if you're not going to put in the effort, why should I? I am not going to bust my tail harder than I already do if you're not going to do anything in appreciation thereof. That's just the way life is. Life is a grind like that, period. You're going to have people that expect you to give you to give them the shirt off your back. And out of the kindness of our hearts, we will do that. But sooner or later, that codependency of that push, give, take, 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 and never giving anything back kind of it gets sour and it gets old and it gets it gets old really, really fast. So I just believe you got to work for it. Um, that's the grind piece in me. That's why I'm up at three in the morning. Long before ET ever said you got to be up at three in the morning. I'm up at three in the morning anyway. So might as well put some make, make some some positive use out of it. So that's my time. You know, every other bit of my time during the day from the time the kids get up to get them to school, make sure the wife's taken care of before I go to work, take care of all my employees and my customers at work, come home, take care of the house, take care of the kids, do what I got to do. My time is three to four to five in the morning before all that starts. People say, all the time, I don't have time. Yeah, you do. You either, some, what, what, what did, uh, what was it? What's the saying? Some people want to sleep. Not as much as they want to breathe. You'd rather sleep. That's a fact. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. In the book, the the, the book I uh, recommended to you. Um, oh yeah, so, I started so, reading something. Oh, did you? Yeah. I, I, so dude, something, some, something I learned from that book, and it's something everybody's heard, but the way he laid it out, it's, it's the thing of choose your heart, right? So 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 choose your heart. Do you want to get up at three in the morning and and put in the work? Uh, for example, so I want to get healthier. You know what I mean? I want to lose my weight. I want to get healthier so I can be here for my kids 20 years from now. You know what I mean? Right. So so what have I started doing? CrossFit at 530 in the morning. Do I want to do that? No, not really. But I'm choosing my heart because I know it'll be beneficial uh, for me and my well-being and my family in the future. So so choose your heart. What is it you want and what are you willing to do to to get it? Yep. 
to earn it, to deserve yep. it. Yep. Well, we all deserve it. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I spoke on that okay. before. Yeah. I believe yeah. that everybody, everybody, everybody deserves what they want. Very few mm-hmm. people are willing to put in the work in order to earn yeah. what they deserve. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. So you mentioned grind. So let, let's get to it. Rising grind. Adam Hamill, talk to me about rising grind. Well, I can't, I can't needless to say, take uh, credit for the phrase. Um, you know, it's been out there a while. I don't, I don't genuinely know who coined it. I know that uh, Eric Thomas uses it. I know that uh, Damien, who's um, I'm blank on his last name, who started FUBU, he uses it. In fact, his book, I think, was called Rising Grind. But that saying, you rise up and then you just grind. It is not hunky-dory, the, the Rocky Balboa speech. I'm not, you know, life is not sunshines and rainbow. It's just not, it is not between attitudes of people, customers, employees, employers, friends, family, neighbors, you name it. There's just constant push you trying to move forward. So if you've ever played football, and I believe you said you had when you were younger, Pushing the sled. Remember pushing the sled when the coach would be on it? Mm -hmm. That push, that grind, that it's just always stuck right here. No matter how much my legs hurt, no matter how much my back hurt, no matter how tired I was, it was the constant push forward, no matter what. And I just, for some reason, it stayed. And I genuinely don't know the why. I don't know what it was about that grind piece that I learned at six or seven years old playing from a clean Heights football in Yonkers that made it stick, even though it kind of came and went when I was, you know, younger and a teenager, but that core value is part of my DNA that I have to grind. It's not going to come easy. When it came to sports, I was never the fat. I was Rudy. I was never the fastest. I was never the biggest. I was never the strongest, but I will outwork you. I will out hustle you. I will out grind you. And when the coach is saying one more lap and everybody's saying, no, I'm still jogging. When I'm out here with my son training now, everything in my body hurts from all the years of working as a mechanic. I mean, arms, shoulders, legs, hands, feet, knees, got a torn up knee. Now doesn't matter. You have to grind. And if I can push through that adversity, if I've learned to push through my drug addiction adversity, if I've learned to push through my emotional issues and by putting in the work in therapy, if I've learned to push through my spiritual issues and find my relationship with God, except instead of what somebody else told me my relationship with God should be, my, my physical intimacy issues that I struggle with due to my abuse when I was younger, I've had to grind through all of it. And I still have to grind through some of it. And there'll be something else I've got to grind through tomorrow. And I choose to grind. I just choose not to lay down and say, I can't do it. I can do it. Somebody told me the other day that they wanted to go to Japan. I said, okay. I said, well, why don't you go? He said, well, COVID. I said, all right, I'll give you that. But why haven't you gone? all the money for the flight all right well have you even attempted to do anything oh no not really so you say you want something but you're not willing to do anything for it you're not even willing to i said you understand that you can actually get to japan by never getting on a plane 
All you have to do is get to California. Get to California, you can get on a boat, and you can go to Japan. Well, how do I get to California? You can drive. You can take a bus. If you legitimately wanted it bad enough, you put a backpack on your back and you can walk. It may take you longer to achieve your goal, but if it is genuinely your heartfelt goal, you'll do whatever it takes to get there. People, people say, this is what I want, but aren't willing to do anything for it. Or, or the moment it gets hard, they say, oh, I can't do that. It's, it's supposed to be hard. It's not supposed to be easy. Life's not easy. Jobs are not easy. Relationships are not easy. If it was easy, there wouldn't be self-help books. There wouldn't be therapy sessions. There wouldn't be motivational speakers. There wouldn't be positive everything that you hear. It wouldn't, it wouldn't need to happen. If it was easy, I want to do this. Okay, go do it. And it was that simple. There'd be no gratification though. When you grind through whatever the struggle may be, and you come out the other side, either healed or physically stronger or in a better place or in a better job or in a better situation, the sense of gratification and the feeling of growth, those epiphany, those aha moments I talked about years ago, those aha moments, when you see them, they open up so many other doors. But the aha moments happen and they go, because most people are stuck here. You know, this is taking me back to sitting in that sitting in that church here and you you know um, give your message and and, and 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 it's it's the same topic it, it really is you know when you look mm -hmm. at it it's it's what are those things that are standing in your way uh, that make up that wall in front of you and are you willing to put in the work to break down that wall yeah are you willing to go off the stage and <laughs> shatter the wall no matter what it takes so what what, I, what I'm gonna do right here right here in the interview, uh, in the, you know, in the, in the, as we edit and release, I'm going to have, uh, Derek, uh, you know, uh, cut in a little piece of that, um, just so everybody can That's see cool. it if they hadn't, and then we'll include the link in the bottom so they can see the full thing. But, uh, it takes it, it, honestly, this, this conversation, uh, is bringing me right back to that moment and how you mentioned, um, pushing the sled has stuck in your head all these years, that message of, all right, you know, just the realization of knowing what's, what, what you're maybe not issues, but what, what, what are the things standing in your way and, and just being able to pinpoint it. So you're aware of what it is. So you can figure out how to, how to, how to tackle that. Uh, that has been stuck in my head since, since age 13 and uh, something that I've, I, I still to this day implement in my life so I can uh, overcome certain obstacles. Well, I'm, and, and you have to, you have to, mm -hmm. it's like anything in order to solve the problem, you have to identify the problem. The problem yeah. with that is most people identify the very superficial thing. Okay, this guy over here is pissing me off. Well, why is yeah. he pissing you off? Whatever he's doing is kicking in your psyche, in your heart, in your soul. It's clicking. It's pushing a button that you have to identify what the button is. It's not that he's pissing you off. It's identifying the button inside you from whatever happened that whatever his behavior is, is making that button go click, 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 that panic button inside you go off. You have to identify what the button push is, not his behavior. Yeah. Everybody identifies his behavior. He's being a jerk. Well, what is it about him that's being that's clicking in you so hard? That's what you have to figure out. Too many people just say, he's being a jerk. That's my problem. It's not. The problem's in here. 
problem's always in here. Yeah. And that and that's I don't know if you're you're that far in the book in the, the in the book no, I didn't just, say the just title a few earlier. pages. Just a few pages. So they they in in the subtle art of not giving a f fuck whatever the it, it, it talks just about that so like you know somebody might their existence might tick me off but what what is it you know exactly what you just said what is it about what they're doing that is bothering me so much and i need to identify that so that i so that i can overcome it so yep. so yeah no i think i think i think that is incredible now i want to talk about uh, recently, you were on the news, um, and uh, I, I, I want to talk about, um, you know, so essentially what, what you were doing was uh, you set a goal to see a certain amount of, of sunrises, and, um, you know, your story of doing this uh, caught a lot of people's attention, and, uh, you know, you, you were interviewed by the news, uh, and uh, you talked to us about it, break it down, like what made you uh, set out to do this? <laughs> It goes all the way back to when I first moved here and the dawn of the new day, the sunrise as a kid, um, as a 19 year old kid and never seeing one before, never seen a sunrise before, seen pictures, uh, but never actually watched the sunrise. Even back when we were on vacation as kids and never saw the sun break the horizon line. So that July 4th of 1990 has just always uh, resonated so much in my, in my head. I decided at, Part of it's growing older. At 50 years old, the truth of the matter is, there are fewer days that there are fewer uh, days, fewer sunrises ahead for me, more than likely than there are for my kids, for you, um, than there are behind. That's just the truth. You know, at 40, you kind of think it. At 50, it clicks. It really does click. Like there are definitely going to be fewer days ahead than there are behind. So I don't. I can't speak or anyone else, but I would venture the guess. Most people can not can say that they have never seen a hundred sunrises in their lifetime. They've probably seen five or 10, maybe when they're on vacation, they, they never, they never genuinely appreciated the significance behind what it means. So I decided to set out a goal of a hundred. And, and like I said, I genuinely, when I, when I set the goal, I've always believed set the goal really, really high. And if I attain 80% of it, I, I'd be okay with that. I'd, I'd still want the goal to be hit, but um, I would have been okay with 80%. Halfway through it, uh, I was at like number 54 and I was like, this is attainable. So in August, um, the gentleman who did the interview, his name is Ron Burke. He works for WPBF News, and uh, we have become friends uh, over the past couple of years. Um, a couple of years ago, we had the hurricane that devastated Puerto Rico. The place I was working at, we were a drop-off point. He interviewed me there um, just for the work stuff. Um, he came in to get brakes done on his car, and so he he's he follows me on Facebook, and, and, and uh, he asked me, he said, you know, I see your rise and grind stuff all the time. And I read them in the, and I love what you do all the time. He said, but ex explain this whole sunrise to me, this whole sunrise thing. I said, well, I said, if you really want to understand it, I said, you got to be there for number 100. He went, 100. I said, the goal is to see 100. He said, well, where are you at now? I said, 81. At the time I was at number 81. And he was like, what's the purpose? I said, it goes back to getting, you know, getting to Florida, but it goes back even further than that to when my daughter was born. 
when my daughter was born and I held her for the first time, May 13th, 1994, and was holding her in my arms and, and saying, oh my gosh, actually I said, holy crap, I'm a dad. Um, that was a completely dawn of a new day kind of moment. It's those epiphany moments. Every single day the sun rises, we have an opportunity to do it different. You have an opportunity to do it right. You have an opportunity to change something. And too many people take that opportunity for granted. So I thought as, as the thought process evolved in this, and I was talking around about it, I said, I thought if I can take the time and drive roughly 2000 miles back and forth to the beach and spend roughly two hours each day. So 2000 hours of my life away from family and give somebody else some of the same perspective that I have in my life how could I possibly not do it and it was so, it was a hard thing to do it was really hard there were days where it was raining and I'm like man I don't even know if I'm gonna get it and you'd be amazed at how many times it stopped for 10 or 15 minutes just long enough for me to catch the video of the sunrise and the message that came behind it so I'm telling him about it and he was like man this there's something there he said you keep me in the loop. You keep me on track with this thing. He said, when you hit around 90, 92, you, so from there on forward, I sent him the picture, you know, sunrise number 82, 84, 86, 87. He pitched it, he pitched it to his producers and they were like, yeah, in this time with this COVID thing, we're all dealing with uh, that message of positivity. We need to get it out there. So he came out the, the day, if you if you saw the news thing, um, the day he was out there was sunrise number 98 because um, he couldn't be there when the Friday he was working the Friday that it should have been number 100. And it turned out to be the Friday after Thanksgiving, which was unintentional. Um, but he wanted to get me, he wanted to get some shots at the beach. And then he came by my shop and interviewed me there and they edited it all together and, and put it out there. What amazed me is when it was going on within minutes, people from all over the country shooting me messages on Facebook like this is an amazing thing this is so inspirational there is time to do things better in our lives there is time to take in and appreciate the goodness that's out there there is time if we make it and that was that was part of the, that's the grind part like I work 10 12 hours a day I do football with the kid I do art with the other kid I got to be a good husband there's my my time is stretched but there is time if it's important. And the appreciation for me to, in this, this entire whole 100 sunrise thing, it was the appreciation of having a new day, of having an opportunity to impact myself, my family, my friends, my coworkers, my employees, my customers, my, my people in my life that are even just happens, you know, happenstance, chance people that come in and out it provided opportunities to bless people. My Facebook following grew like 300 people after that. It, it was, you know, again, I don't, I don't do it. Please understand this. I don't do this rise and grind for any other reason, but me, I genuinely do this stuff for me. And it turns out what I'm doing for me is helping other people. And I'm all for it. If it, yeah. if it benefits somebody else because of something I did, well then great. If they can learn from my mistakes, great. If they have, if they can learn from my positive message, fantastic. But I do it to remind myself, like when my memories pop back up, 
I re- like, wow, I remember that day. I remember what I was feeling that day. And then I look and yeah. say, and then I ask myself, did I learn from it? Did, did I, did I get out of this what I intended to get out of it when I wrote it? And, yeah. and so it turned out to be something pretty big. I think over 2000 people viewed it. People still shoot me messages yeah. about it. It's pretty cool. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, it was a pretty, it yeah. was a pretty unique experience. It was very humbling. That's for sure. One thing that uh, one of the many things I love about you, and, and it's something that's uh, even becoming more abundantly clear now, is how intentional you are uh, in, in, in pretty much everything that you do. Uh, um, you know, you, you, you know, exactly what you just said. You know, you look back at your at your your memories, uh, seeing, you know, what you posted a year ago, two years ago and asking yourself if you learned from it. Like, I think mm-hmm. that is uh, is great insight and something that more of us should do. Um, and, uh, you know, I read your rise and grinds every, every day. Um, and sometimes, sometimes I miss a couple of days and I'll go back and I'll binge read all the posts. Uh, and it's, <laughs> it's, it's always, it's always, uh, it's always definitely inspiring and encouraging. And now I see it getting darker back there. So let, oh, let's hit our last point. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll get out of here, but, um, you're working on a book. That's I amazing am. to, you know, what can you tell us about the book? Do you have a title? What's the theme? Yeah, well, what can you tell us? Well, the theme is obviously the whole concept of Rise and Grind. Um, don't know if I can use that as the title. If I can, I'm, I'm all for it. Um, the, I have been a writer my entire life. I have written poetry. I have written stories and essays. I write the Rise and Grinds. I have thousands of different things that I've written and I've learned that it's a gift. And I think that too many times people don't utilize the gifts that God's given them. Either A, they don't recognize it, or B, they don't believe that they have a gift. They don't believe that they have anything to give. Um, I genuinely don't know if my writing is God-given blessing to somebody else, but it's been a God-given blessing to me. Because when I was in my darkest of times, uh, writing got me out of many of them. When I was in emotional stuff, when I was dealing with, with pain, writing gets me out of it. And now, writing lets me tell my wife every single day that I love her. Um, helps me tell my parents how much that I appreciate them. Tells my, my, my friends how much I appreciate them. So a friend of mine, John Puritz, asked me one day, why don't you have a book? Like I never even thought about it. He said, you should write a book. He said, I went to somebody with an idea. I didn't even have any content. Two years later, I had a book. He said, you have years of content. Put it in a book. Yeah. My buddy, Paul Grady said the same thing. He said, you need to put it in a book. You need to write the book. So started the process a couple of years ago and not exactly knowing how I wanted it to go. I've learned to let it go and just let God flow it. Um, If all goes well, I should have my first rough draft ready to be proofread and edited and tell me. The goal uh, is to have it published this year, but hopefully have it, you know, in publishing and, and have my first copies in hand by July. So that's the main goal this year. And the purpose behind the book is just to say, look, I'm not anybody famous. I'm not some, 
multimillionaire. I'm not uh, a professional athlete. I'm not a, a musician. I'm not Bill Gates. I'm just a guy, just like you. I'm just a human being, just like you. And I have been through it, just like you. And you don't need some famous person to give you their way out. You got to find your way out. And maybe just maybe hearing a story from an average middle class income father of three, stepfather of three, so father of six, been divorced twice, drug addict, person who got his life together. Maybe just maybe that's a little more relatable than the famous guy who's writing a book because somebody said we can put it all together for you. So that's the purpose behind it is to try and be relatable to the average human being without having to be some extraordinary thing that's that social media has made into this massive, I'm not, I'm not a multi, you know, I'm not an actor. I'm not a famous athlete, all of those things. I'm just a guy, just a guy. And, and to me, that's more relatable than, than the famous person who can tell his story, even though their stories are great. I'm not saying they're not. You hear, you know, guys like Allen Iverson who came from nowhere, guys like Antonio Brown, who was homeless, came from nowhere. They have great stories. They really do. But they're on a level that's above you and me. They're in a, they're in a world financially that's totally out, outside of the world you and I live in. Maybe if you see somebody in a world that, that's the same as yours, has some sort of outlook that's a little different maybe yours can change. That's the purpose behind it. That's amazing. And I love it. And I can't wait to read it. Uh, you know, uh, I, I'm so excited to, to, to buy, I'm gonna buy 10 copies and just pass them out. Just pass them out. To people. <laughs> I'll, I'll um, send you 10. I'll send you 10. I wrap up every single one of these by asking, uh, you know, a large majority of our audience, uh, you know, are creatives, uh, various uh, different uh, paths, maybe writers, actors, rappers, whatever they may be. Um, and a lot of them might uh, sometimes be contemplating giving up. So the goal of, of each of each episode of Starving Artists is to uh, leave them inspired. So what advice would you give to anybody uh, who may be contemplating uh, giving up whatever it might be, even if it's outside of the creative path, uh, and is just you know I'm in I'm in I'm in school to become an accountant and I'm going to give up. Like what what advice uh, would you give? If a 50 year old guy can identify his gift at 43, 44, and start pursuing it then, and for the past seven years have never really has has never really stopped pursuing it but in the past couple of years has really picked up momentum, then your 22, 23, 24-year-old self, there's no reason for you to quit. Because even if, you attain, even if you attain your goal, the sunrise thing is a perfect example of this. My goal was to see 100. Yeah. I saw 106. I could have stopped at 100. That was the goal. That was what the news story was, was about. I could have stopped right there and said, okay, that's done. But it's not done. Yeah. I saw 106. So even if you achieve your goal, it doesn't mean the work stops. And if you think doing everything at 70% is going to get you where you want to be, it might, but it's going to take you that much longer. Don't quit. Do not quit. If you know in your heart that, whoa, 
you know in your heart <laughs> that that is exactly where you're supposed to be and exactly what you're supposed to do, then no matter what, no matter who says no, there's somebody out there that's going to say yes. You just got to find that person. And it doesn't matter how long it takes you. It doesn't mean you're, and it doesn't mean that you're going to achieve the goal the way you think you're going to achieve the goal. You're going to achieve the goal the way you're supposed to achieve the goal. And you have to appreciate whatever portion of that you get. And if you're doing it just for money, I'm sorry, it probably won't work out. But if you're doing it because it's your passion, if it's what you love, if it's in your, if it's in the microfibers of your DNA, then the definition of success may have to change for you, but you will be successful if you do not quit. Just don't, no matter what, don't quit. The Bible says, fall down seven times, get up eight. I have fallen down 7,999 times. I've gotten up 8,000. I ref just refuse to stay down, no matter what. Refuse to stay down. Refuse to stay down, no matter what. That's perfect. Adam, thank you so much for hopping on. Uh, I know I'm leaving this uh, inspired and motivated. I know everybody else listening uh, will leave it feeling the same. So again, thank you, brother. You have no idea how much I appreciate you and uh, you know everything uh, you know, you, you, you've done for me in my life. Uh, and, uh, I love you, brother. I love you too, man. I appreciate this opportunity. Um, anybody who listens to this, um, I've got Facebook. I don't have any of the other stuff. The other stuff's coming from what I understand. I kind of got to do it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, if you, if you want to follow me on Facebook and understand the rise and grind, it's just look, look me up. It says Adam Hamill. You'll find me. You'll see my face. Uh, you'll see it every single day. Just, just add on to it. Um, hook up that link to the YouTube thing. That'd be, that'd be kind of cool. That'd be kind of cool memory lane a little bit, but uh, thank you, yeah. brother. Thank yeah. you for everything you brought into my life for the blessing you brought in my life. Um, like I said, you're an inspiration to me, my man, big time. Absolutely. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Uh, and to the audience, I will catch you guys next time. This has been another episode of starving artists. Peace. Peace. <laughs>